<laughs> I like it. I like that self-actualization. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is good. You are very smart, though. You're very, uh, is it erudite? Is erudite? I mean, er- erudite? erudite is a word for what I am, which is, just means I'm a glib uh, talker. Yeah. Oh, I think you're more than that. I think No, but it's, that's but what erudite like, is, right? But I like yeah. listening to you. Yeah. Loquacious. Loquacious. Oh, wow. Scintillating. Mm, scintillating, yes. Uh, well. Fat. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be so peaking. <laughs> oh, that was the name of my first band, Scintillating Fat. <laughs> I'm Jamie Dew, and this is a show of strength. Hey, it's Jamie. And welcome to a show of strength. Today, I'm sitting with my friend Matthew Price to talk about mental health. In particular, we'll discuss his experiences with anxiety, dealing with rage, and being the father of a son who is also working through anxiety. When we recorded this episode, it was two days before Father's Day, and I thought, I'm going to turn this episode around and release it for Father's Day because wouldn't it be cool to have a conversation with a father? Well, life happened. And I didn't get this episode out when I wanted to. But you're listening to it now, which means I got it done. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to thank our sponsor, The Review Cinema. Looking for a more authentic movie-going experience? The Review Cinema, established in 1912, is an independent, not-for-profit, community-run cinema that continues to bring a variety of film and culture to the city of Toronto today. Located on historic Roncesvalles Avenue, The Review has a mix of the latest Hollywood films, documentaries, silent films, and your favorite old classics. Visit www.reviewcinema.ca to see our full program, or drop by to see for yourself. The Review Cinema, projecting all possibilities. Better late than never. Here's my talk with Matthew Price. So how are you doing? I'm, I mean, I'm great. I'm good. You know, yeah. I'm I'm moving along and very happy in my home life and at work, and I'm I'm enjoying my late forties very much, very much. D- I, you you, you know. say that you say that in a way that implies that you didn't enjoy portions of your life. Yeah, were, were there times? Uh, yeah, for were, sure, there were, um, and and not. You know, it's really interesting. I. I think I was talking to you sort of before we started recording about this. And, you know, I, I, uh, um, the, the, I guess the reason that you kind of wanted to talk to me was, um, I've got some issues with anxiety and I have had for probably my whole life. Um, but they were, but the issues were on the milder side. Okay. They were not debilitating anxiety. I never had, never had a panic attack. Uh, to my knowledge, never, um, y- you know, had any what you might call a, 
a breakdown or a, you know a, a sort of a severe episode and uh, I think you know I bobbed along it, it kind of dealing with it and and minimizing it as look I'm mostly fine I'm okay this isn't so bad in a way that I think a lot of people uh, do who have con you know who have symptoms that they are coping through and managing and I wasn't I wasn't coping with it by self-medicating. I wasn't using alcohol. I wasn't, like, I wasn't doing any of the things that I think, uh, so I'm like, I'm super lucky. I, I, I'm not trying to say that what I had or what I have is, um, you know, to be pitied or, or worried about me. I, I probably could have continued to kind of self-regulate and not see anyone. And, and I think that's what kept me from fixing it. <laughs> right like I think it's a trap to some degree to to minimize your symptoms I think a lot of people have symptoms that can be minimized or can be sort of tolerated so they just don't fix it like you would never you know this I love this stuff now about mental health is health which I think took a long time to get people to even get to this point that we're at now with the yep. cam with the CAMH campaign and like you would never tolerate having an infected finger for 20 years <laughs> no. like nobody would you know and and that's about the level of of uh, annoyance that my anxiety was it was like having a, an infection in one non-critical finger like you're just your ring finger what had an infection so you you can still do everything you can type you're good to go anywhere you can participate in things it's not stopping you from doing things really it's making you reluctant to do some things that might put you into some pain in that infection. And so you quote unquote, choose to avoid certain things. Right. And that's what my anxiety was like. And so I, it was like a dull ache. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was like a, I don't feel like going to this thing. Why? I don't know. I just don't feel like it. Right. right. I don't want to go out now. Why? Because I don't want to, you know, and, and, Oh no, it's fine. I'm fine. I'm, and, and I, I, I wasn't totally fine. And there were like a lot of things about, about it that I, looking back on how I was reacting, I wish I had taken more seriously, right? But you, but you kid yourself, you minimize it, and you tell yourself because it's, because it's mental, it goes to the core of who you are. And so you don't, I think, or at least I didn't want to kind of admit that it was serious enough to pursue I'm in, I'm interested here because, you know, you're the first person I've sat down with that is a little bit, you're, you're skewing older than the other people I've sat down with, okay? And so I wonder how much of that is, you're, you're right, like we're here we are right now with mental health is health, yeah. but you were going through this stuff when that wasn't the case. Completely. So, so yeah. how much of that was, you know, like... Like, well, you were aware sure. you were aware enough to know something was going on, right? And and to imagine that what I was was just depressed, but I was never depressed, like capital or, D depressed, or or that I had a problem with anger, right? Okay. Um, and I and I so I went down a lot of roads. So one thing, so um, I am older but I'm not so old that there wasn't at least some awareness of some of this. So, um, uh, you know, I come from a family where one of my parents had a, a pretty severe struggle. Um, 
mostly is fine, but but had a couple of pretty intense episodes uh, of bipolar uh, mania followed by pretty heavy crashes into depression. And you saw this. And I saw this. I lived I lived with them, obviously. Uh, this was when I was a teenager. And so what I was was paranoid that I was bipolar because it runs in families, right? right. So, yeah. So, uh, so I, I, I was super conscious and, and vigilant about, am I manic? Am I feeling, am I spending in a way that's weird? Am I, you know, I'm not, okay, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. Am I so depressed that I'm crashing? I'm not, I'm not. Okay. So, so I like, but I, you know, but I, I did see, uh, health, uh, mental health professionals specifically saying like, am I bipolar? Can you just make sure I'm not bipolar? Cause I just want to make sure that I'm not going to ha- go through what they went through. Or if I am that I'm prepared. Right. But it was also, you know, good this for was, you for going to see somebody. Yeah. And I never like, you know, where something was serious like that, I would go right all the time. What was hidden underneath all of that was this like, you know, recurrent mild anxiety. Right. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> which, that you had Which I was able to like ignore. Bipolar. Yeah. And also, you know, when you talked about anxiety in, in the mid eighties, this wasn't what you meant. And that's where I was going with. Right. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. you, you had this very different perception of what anxiety was. Yeah. Uh, and it was, you know, this neurotic kind of Woody Allen ish, you know, intense nervousness. That's not anxiety. At least it's not how I experienced no, it. No, no. Um, you know, it's, it's far more visceral and painful uh, at its sort of height and, and it's also, and it also, I think masqueraded as just impulse control problems or, so the way that my anxiety would, and I think not uncommonly would manifest is that I would become intensely, um, anxious about something and usually uh, it would be partly around embarrassment, uh, or a feeling of being, uh, um, seem to be foolish or, or viewed negatively by other people. Um, that and would, that would, that would, would drive, perf- that would, perf- yeah. It up. yeah. And so, and so to, in quotes, get control of it, I would get mad. Oh, right. Because if you just feel hurt and in pain, the other guy is winning. You're out of control. But if you're yelling or you're putting your hand through a wall, which I did a couple times. Really? Yeah. Including once at work. Yikes. Very nearly lost my job. Uh, yeah, no, I kicked. I kicked a hole in the bathroom wall at work. Uh, That's tough. It was awful. And, yeah. I, and I, got, I, I got very close to losing, losing my job. Um, and, and so, yeah, so I would get angry and so, and that would allow me to be back in control of it. I thought, you know, or I didn't really think anything. It was just the way that I would react. Of course I'm angry because you were making fun of me and I don't like it. You know, like it was, I would turn it into someone else's fault. Right. And I wouldn't really talk about, you know, how did I get there? Nor did I, nor had I really put it together. So like I went, I mean, I got sent referred by my GP to a doctor to talk about anger management stuff. But again, that was never like a therapist or, or I can't, it was probably a psychologist at the time. And, but it was, but again, it was never, um, uh, a, 
you know, the diagnosis was never looking at what was the actual thing that was getting me there. Oh, right. That's wild. Okay. Right. So it was just talking about the, the symptoms, but not the cause. And that, and that was always the case, right? Like I had one guy, uh, did you bring it up to your doctor? Like when you went to your GP? Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, so, <laughs> so the, <laughs> so I'll tell you a funny story. So, uh, one of the things that I am much better with now, but that, and, but that, uh, certainly was like a big source of annoyance and, and anger, uh, at other people was when people would act in, um, uh, disruptive ways in movie theaters, like would talk or would right, I've with you. drive yeah. me bananas. Yeah. So I, so I am direct and I do, I have no, uh, shame anymore about really embarrassing someone who's got their phone on or whatever. I'm just, right. if I see them in front of me, I just go turn off your phone and <laughs> they can't tell who I am and their phone that goes off. Right. So it's fine. <laughs> But, but that wasn't what was happening. So anyway, I was in a movie theater with my cousin. We were watching a foreign film uh, with subtitles and, uh, and at like kind of an art theater and two women beside me had an empty seat in between them and were having a conversation Jesus. across an empty seat uh, talking about their babysitting situation for, I don't know, three quarters of an hour. And... So and there was and there was an empty seat between the woman and me, so I had to lean way over because I didn't want to yell at her, and I actually was trying to be quite polite, and I just leaned over and I said, "Excuse me, I'm having trouble concentrating on the film. I'm just wondering if you can stop talking." Or it was something like really like along those lines, of right? Innocuous, and um, and she waited about two minutes, and I started like I didn't. Follow. I just like went back yeah. to watching the movie and the movie was a comedy and I laughed at something and she was waiting. She was waiting for me to make any sound so that she leaned over to me and said, excuse me, when you laugh, it's very disturbing. I, I cannot concentrate on the film. Like she was making fun of me. And, uh, and so I uh, got exasperated. I kind of threw my hands up in the air. Again, I just be demonstrative, but I hit her in the face. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> because shit. because she leaned over <laughs> so oh far, God. so Dude. so it made it look like I had punched this. One. <laughs> it was off. So she charged me with assault, and I had oh, to like go wow. through court. And I was acqui- I was the charges were dropped, and like it was ridiculous. Oh, and that must have been. everyone, including the police officer that showed up, was like, "Are you sure you want to charge this guy with assault? Because this is not going to work, right?" And she was, and she, her father was a judge, and she like knew her rights very well, and she pursued it and pursued it, and then. It went to court, and the judge said, "This is not what happened. Is not a crime, and you're fine. You should go." Uh, like basically, I think the judge is saying, like, even if everything I had said was a lie, there was nothing that they could actually right. charge me with. So, like, all my testimony didn't matter. There was still no crime. Oh my god, that but must have been so much, though. It was, and I, and but it did lead me to sort of question, like, maybe I did hit her, like, without you know, maybe I was that angry that I, and so I that's when I went to the doctor and was like, maybe I have a problem with anger, maybe that's my problem, you know, like, uh, and I, and I, you know, this was never a case of me as a person, I always wanted to explore myself and understand myself better. It was not a thing like where I was just in denial about myself, right? I just had this massive blind spot, I couldn't see it. I was trying, it wasn't like I wasn't trying. To see it, I was really interested in understanding myself, other people, how we operate, how we, how our brains work, and like how our how our personalities actually work. And it's like it's interesting to me, right? So it was never like an unwillingness. You know, it's like I think a lot of 
the stereotype is that people who have sort of uh, um, these types of conditions are operating with a sense of denial about themselves, like they don't want to look into themselves and that's why they're doing it because they don't want to examine themselves. Like I wanted to very badly. I was trying everything I could. It's not like I didn't go see people and try to figure stuff out, right? Um, I got diagnosed by one person uh, as a narcissist because really? yeah because because my anxiety came out of vulnerability and embarrassment his conclusion was your problem is you don't like being criticized well that's <laughs> a, an interesting tact yeah which i looking back on it now i'm like that is dangerously stupid what yeah. you told me right but at the time i was like oh man maybe i'm a narcissist uh oh you know that doesn't sound good <laughs> so that's yeah. you know that's not true i i have a lot of empathy for other people and it's like that's not who i am right? right and i know that about myself but it was yeah it was like and i think part of it is that you know i i, I think you and i both you're a little bit younger than me but you and i both sort of came of age as i think a lot of um psychoanalysis went through a period of sort of coming of age about this yes stuff. Like, for sure like we actually you know, we've crested a bit of a wave here. Yep. Um, and I, if I had been born 20 years earlier, this would have not been fixed. Like I, don't, like, I don't blame my parents for not seeing this. You know what I mean? Right. Nobody saw it. It wasn't like my parents were especially dumb. So they this were, is like... They were smart. This they just, is nobody had this in their radar. All, all the way back, you can, you can remember this happening. Totally. I, uh, I never finished high school. Um... I, I never, I went to class rarely. And, uh, and the reason that I skipped and didn't finish and didn't hand in assignments, I can see now was because of anxiety around being judged and being told that I wasn't good enough. So then I just wouldn't try. Cause if I don't try, then I'm in control of it. Cause I didn't do it. Right. Better to quit than fail. Yeah, exactly. And I, and again, I think this is a really common thing. Um, you know, most people get bullied through it or figure out a way to like make it work. I didn't. Right. Um, and I, and I don't regret it, but I, you know, but I regret not understanding it for sure. I regret not understanding what was, I just thought, Oh, I'm just depressed. That's why I don't want to go to school today. Uh, you know, I'm sad. I'm not, I wasn't, <laughs> I was fine. I just, I just didn't, I couldn't allow myself to be, uh, to be vulnerable to you know the best thing that happened to me was not uh getting on an ssri and medically easing off the anxiety because i did that and i am still doing it and i it's working very well for me and i'm very lucky um but the best thing for me was finding a therapist who actually to some degree figured out what was really uh, digging down digging to the, down and figuring right. it out yeah, exactly where's this infection um, coming from yeah and and getting um uh, after a few uh, sessions of just kind of laying out these experiences with uh with her um getting the advice to to uh uh read um daring greatly by Brene brown which and i don't know if you've I haven't. if you're familiar with her or read yep. any of her work but but I think especially for my type of anxiety, it was incredibly powerful stuff to read. And I, and I am not a self-help guy 
at all. And I was like, she handed me this book and I thought like, okay, fine. Let's take a look at this. You know, like I think my stereotype around self-help is it's all nonsense, right? Okay. Visualize yourself fixing things and then you will. It's like, uh, you know what? Like, fine. Like it all sort of seems like the secret to me. Like, okay. whatever. I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm a big skeptic. And I, and, and, uh, and then I, I read this book because you told me to, right? It was homework. And I was like, okay, I'm going to read it because you told me to. Um, and then it changed my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> it changed my life. I, I use it in a bunch of different ways. It changed how I parent. It changed how I understand myself. It changed me at work. It's informed workshops I've done at work with other people. It's, 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 I think what she was able to do is like, it's kind of profound and I, and it actually changed my view of like all of humanity. So, well, that's, uh, uh you know, yeah. So <laughs> no small potatoes. This was like a big moment for me to read this book. So what era was that? Like when, like when did you, it was only like three, four years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and specifically what changed for me personally was that she talks in that book and in a, in, um, uh, a few other books that she's written, she, she talks about how, what, and what the therapist saw in me was that my anxiety, my self-worth was tied to outcomes. So if I would write a paper in school, my value of writing the paper was what mark did I get? It was the outcome. It wasn't what It wasn't learned. writing the paper or learning anything or enjoying it or trying or, how, you know, or being proud of a way that I phrased something or you know, or, or any of those, it wasn't that it was, what did you tell me it was worth that validation piece completely. And, and so if you base, because you are always going to fail, no matter what everyone does. Yes. If you base all of your self-worth on outcomes, you lose. You could have a winning streak for a little while, but ultimately you lose because not everything's like in being your control. In a casino. Yeah. 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 Not everything's in your, con in your control. Right. So sure. you can't not control how other people will see things you do. They, they have their own shit going on. Yeah. You can't, you can't control it. Right. So you, so you are wow. now tying yourself into things you have no control over. And so it, so it foundationally changed how I wanted to perceive myself and you know and I and I realized that so much of what was making me anxious and then in turn flipping to anger was the idea that I had failed to produce a good outcome right and so because I hung all of my self-worth on it it was like it was poisonous right so name of the book again uh the book that I read was called Daring Greatly she has a new book more recently and now I cannot recall the title of it um but she also has a book that I think is called The Power of Vulnerability. And like, she's, she's terrific. And if you, and honestly, just, she's got TED Talks online and they are tremendous. And I use her TED Talk, one of her TED Talks about being vulnerable to um, talk to uh, people at work about how to um, coach, coach their people and how to understand their customers who may be reacting badly in a moment or maybe getting angry that that's coming from vulnerability and shame. That when a customer when a customer stands in front of you, so so upset, so 
over the top upset about something and you go, why are you so upset about it? I don't understand why you're so upset. And you realize that what they're upset about is not the thing that happened, but the idea that they got it wrong, that they misunderstood something, and so now they look foolish. They, and they, so, that is absolutely so, not the yeah. way they want to feel. So Right. So blame is uh, the, the, what, like how you define blame is, um, t is sort of like making the uncertain certain is one of the things she says. Like you, you, uh, it's blame is a way to discharge pain onto someone else. Right. That's the pain is yeah. your pain that you are feeling. When you blame someone else for it, you can discharge that pain onto another person. And we've all and felt that before. Everybody does. Yeah, of course. And that's, uh, that, and that's just a really common wave. And, and then help me to understand my son. Right. Help me to understand the same. And because he is similar to me, the same anxieties that he was feeling that I was also feeling only I was able to intervene earlier in that cycle and help him so let's talk a bit about that what sure uh, you have a son um and that i know about yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um he experiences anxiety as well he does and and he uh i asked him about coming on the show and said you know we might talk about you and he's he's okay with it so okay um so and he's got really i mean uh he's he's got two challenges because he does have anxiety in the way that I had it so around he certainly had it around feeling like you know I can't write this essay because it's not going to be good enough because and so I won't write it or you know I I can't you know what if I get a bad mark on a test then who am I I'm not a good person like he had all those things too but he also has a physical illness that creates a lot of additional anxiety he's um uh, he and it's very well managed now, but he was diagnosed a few years ago with um, uh, irritable bowel with with uh, ulcerative colitis, pretty severe ulcerative colitis. And so, that's got to be tough. It is very tough. And, and how old was he when he was diagnosed with that? Well, he was diagnosed when he was uh, fourteen, like in grade end of grade nine, but he probably had it since about grade end of grade six. But it doesn't. It it sort of builds up over time. Because it's ulcers, right? So it's at first it's less than than later, but also, you know, sometimes kids poop their pants, like even older kids, right? right. So it's it's it sort of hides, or sometimes kids just spend a lot of time in the toilet, right? right. You just you just don't know, you know, and 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 kids complain, especially younger kids sometimes complain that things hurt, and and sometimes they really hurt, and sometimes they just don't want to go to bed, like, oh my legs hurt. You know, like, yes. there's that. Kids do that. And so sometimes as a parent, you're like, I hear you, but let's try going to sleep and then see if you feel better in the morning. Right. Like and it's not because you don't care. Or, and, you know, when there are real symptoms, but in the absence of sort of physical symptoms like fevers and things, you just kind of sometimes you go take an aspirin and see how you feel. So it just took a long time to sort out for him to have the communication skills. And I, so this is not uncommon. I think a lot of people suffer from it for a little while before. I guess diagnosed. And also then once we knew that there was a serious problem, it took a while to get to ulcerative colitis because to really diagnose. So there's like a lot of other things that his symptoms could be. And you have to go through testing for all a lot of other things. Oh, that's a lot for a it is a lot. Young and teenager. And even that was OK. I mean, the biggest problem was that he was losing so much blood that he became profoundly anemic and then started to faint. Right. So he so like like at school or a anywhere. Yeah. So um, and the other thing, of course, was that uh, 
he was, uh, you know, in the bathroom so much, the anxiety comes out because you start to worry, like, what if I'm not near a bathroom? You know, he spent the last uh, month and a half or two months of grade nine in the hospital um, because he just, he needed to be there, right? He needed to be on iron, uh, like transfusions and not, not blood transfusions, but like, you know, he had to have iron sure. intravenously. He had to, and they had to scope him. Because it's there's no other way to make sure what's happening, yeah. right? They got to go in there with a camera and take a look at it, right? So, so that was grade nine. By by grade eleven, it was much better. Now he's finishing grade twelve, and I would say it is much much better. Um, partly, and the and so the other <laughs> sort of thing around anxiety and emotions and stuff for him was that the the initial treatment until they figure out exactly what drug is going to work for you because. IBD is this very hazy area of of the body where not not the same thing works for everyone. They're throwing and darts for that as well. They are. They 100% are. So it's actually much very similar to mental you know, health. to mental yeah. health in yeah. some ways, especially for severe uh, problems. Right? Like I think I was lucky. The first thing they prescribed to me as an anxiety med worked, and I so I didn't. You are an anomaly. Yeah, I am. Is, I am. Yeah. It worked. I I could tell that it was working. Um, it's you know I it's uh it's an SSRI and it, it happened to be the right one. Good. And I was like, okay, well, let's not fuck around with this. I'm just going to yeah, keep taking this. Keep I'm taking good. This. I don't have a huge amount of side effects, and I feel fine. So. Yeah. Um. But yeah, but they were throwing darts for him on that for quite a while. And the first dart they throw before, as they, so what they do to try to sort you out is they put you on steroids first because the steroids at least beef you up and make you able to walk around, right? And then they try to ease you off the steroids and ease you onto various other drugs. Well, he would go into like immediate steroid withdrawal every time they took him off. Like, so what basically- What does that look like? Uh, they would try to ramp down the steroids. He would start losing control and having powerfully painful poops. Oh my God. The minute they, the minute they eased him off. So they would put him back on and he gained a ton of weight. He was angry all the time. Not all the time, but more, a lot more. It's all the things that you think about when you think about steroids. Right. Right. Rage, Huge, rage, weight gain, emotionality, yeah. uh, throwing yourself around, not, you know, Difficulty concentrate, all these things, all these, it was very bad. I mean, the steroids are necessary and they're also like, you know, the cures a, might be worse than the disease, right? So, so it took a really long time to, it took him almost a year that he took steroids before he, before he got off. Um, and so, yeah, so that was its own form of sort of mental health and difficulty because it can fuck with you, right? It can really mess you up. Um, and put you kind of out of control. Well, again, it's not something you're you're, you're probably not you're like even your closest buddy. You're, that's going to be a tough thing to share, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, also, you know, you're physically kid. fat. You don't feel good. I mean, n nobody wants to be 15 and 60 pounds overweight. Right. I mean, that's no fun. And it was that kind of extreme. Yeah, yeah. You should see the the photos are dramatic. He is a he is a big round person one year like what we do is every year around july 1st we take a picture of them in the same place yeah so that we have this like 15 year 18 year we started from age two so this is the 16th year that's of doing pretty, it that's pretty neat so we have this like one photo where he just grows right <laughs> um and there's this one year where it's like oh he went sideways this is not oh, uh wow. he didn't go up he went yeah. out <laughs> the, uh... you know and then he took about two years to come back now he's i mean he's not 
Like I wouldn't call him a, he's not a skeleton or anything, but he's thin. He's very thin. He's right? leaned up. Yeah. Yeah. And muscled up too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it just took, it took a long time. And it was, so that physical stuff, I think, you know, was super difficult. And especially, you know, the, if the anxiety was because of the illness, then do you, you know, you, you don't want to necessarily treat the anxiety until you sort the illness out. If that makes sense, like sure, like and and also like I didn't think it was a good idea to put uh, a person whose brain was still developing on a huge amount of like mood altering drugs if it was not a severe debilitating problem, which it was not. Right, like and he was still functioning, going to school when he could. When he wasn't going to school, it was because of his bum, not because of his head. Right. right. You will, so that's what you also saw uh, a root cause of this anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Being okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And so, and also because it was this physical, even if it had been uh, an, uh, an anxiety condition or something else, but he, the school was great about, they gave him an accommodation. They were super good about, he can have a flexible schedule. If he needs to stay home, he can stay home. And like, it was all part of his educational plan. And yeah. And he was able to, he could email teachers directly and get homework from them and stuff. So it was, you know, like he, 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 he dealt, it was a totally different world from when I went to school. Yeah, right? me too. I cannot imagine even even if I had been diagnosed correctly yeah. in 1985, I cannot imagine the school going, yeah, it's cool. Just stay home. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> just, right? just call the teacher. I think what uh, they would have said was, well, that's too bad. You better get here. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah that's right. Um, Truancy officer will be at your yeah. house. So anyway, I, I guess I just, you know, as I started to understand myself a bit more, it, it, was, it made me better able to give him better advice. So this was happening concurrently then. Yeah. Like you, you, you read the book yeah. three or four years ago. Yeah. And, and he was going through the height of his, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. and I would, and, and also, you know, both he and my wife, both like I was a yeller. Right. And I would go and like a few months would go by, I'd be fine. And then I'd be screaming about something. And, and it was always like, I'm justified to scream about this. Right. But like, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. right that's that's a that's not true you're not okay to just yell and scream about something that's bothering you you have to like that's not a good way to be Th- this was the this was the thing this was the thing that broke me where i realized oh no it's me i'm i'm a fucking idiot uh went to the supermarket to go shopping and that was the thing i really like to do um and what i really like to do is go physically to the supermarket myself and walk around without a plan and just kind of wander around I do the same and mentally check out check and just out. think about what might I like to eat this week oh there's some fish that looks oh maybe what should I put with that okay this and I'm just like kind of zoned out and thinking and it's very and so anyway I was Saturday I was gonna go to the supermarket can we come along okay sure wrench in the plans kind of yeah you don't want to be a jerk they want to come and why do they want to come? They want to spend time with you. That's right. Right? Okay, come. We get to the supermarket. What should we get? Tell me what to get. I don't know. And it got me more and more worked up. The more they asked me to help by saying, well, now what should we get? Do you want me to get some watermelon? Do you want this? Do we, should we get asparagus? Do you like asparagus? Do you want asparagus? Do you want this? Do you want that? Let me get Should I get a can of this? And it, it actually, you, like, you were. it flipped me out, got me super, super hyped up. And I, like, exploded and, like, yelled at them in the supermarket. Oh, wow. And, you know, we were on our way home, and I was like, well, you know, you were just, you were pestering me. I was trying to, like, rationalize it away. And they were like, no, dude, this is not, 
you're just grocery shopping. Like you should be able to handle it. This yeah. is not okay what you did. Yeah. And you're a grown th- up. and that was like what pushed me was that 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 was not an isolated incident. That was one of many many times that I yelled or you know once uh, and I also used to think like that it was good that every once in a while I would really yell at Max and make him cry because it would break him down from whatever was really bothering him and he would be honest with me and then we would sort of like have a better relationship after that. And now I'm like, no, that was that's not, not true. That's <laughs> not a good way to do it. That's... Uh, that just made him afraid of me. That's not good. And, you know, and <laughs> I mean, maybe there is like a short term benefit to that of like making somebody be more honest and actually get to what is really bothering them. But it's at what cost? Like. So I've had to do a lot of work to, you know, atone for that because it hurt him and I know it did and I am not proud of it. And I, you know, and I certainly am not a person that felt like I was ever an abusive person. Um, And I, you know, and I never yelled at him in the sense of trying to belittle him. Like it was never about tearing someone down or, or, being abusive in that way, but it was about being loud and very emphatic in my opinions, right? So, I mean, I'm luckily not built to where I feel like I did him like actual damage, but I still think, you know, well, that was like still shitty behavior, right? And shitty behavior doesn't. Is that something you, you two have discussed? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like yeah. on the table discussion. Oh, not, 100%. Not subtle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. very good. 100%. Yeah. How did that go? Or how has I, it went? I mean, it, I'm sure it's a it, has, it is an ongoing thing, but it yeah. is going fine. I think like he, I, we're in a much better place now than we used to be. And I think, you know, I, I just, I mean, even before I always, I always tried to be, you know, honest with him and tell him how I really felt. And that sometimes was a negative thing where I was yelling and some, but it was always, you know, I, I don't hide stuff about myself. I don't hide stuff about the world from him I just tell him things that are true try to um and so that there is a foundation there where he was able to talk to me about it and we're in a very good place and I'm in a much better place with my wife and with myself yeah I don't know what else to really say about it I mean I think uh you know I think I learned a lot in the last few years I think I was lucky that I got the chance to do that So that was my sit down with Matthew Price. Again, we recorded that a couple days before Father's Day. So we're just going to pretend that this episode went up on Father's Day. The book that Matthew mentioned that changed his world was Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. I want to thank Matthew for sharing his experiences with that book. Maybe you'll have a similar experience. I'd also like to thank Matthew for being so open and candid around his workplace. He mentioned off mic that he discusses his medications, his therapy appointments with his colleagues. And this goes a long way to do what we're trying to do here, which is encourage courage and stop a stigma. Thank you. Lastly, I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen to this episode today. Be well, 
and stay safe. A show of strength is a movement where I try to encourage courage. You can subscribe, rate, and review the various shows we produce at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information, including how to connect on social, please visit www.ashowofstrength.com. Dot com.